up this morning. Good to see you guys. You can be seated. Uh, we are going to do a, a baby dedication today. That'll happen at the end of service and in honor of baby dedication and uh, recent developments. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the blessing of children, the blessing of children. We're going to look at Psalm 127, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, since Roe versus Wade uh, made the uh, Supreme Court decision made in 1973, 63 million babies have been aborted. Uh, as of Friday, about 10 a.m., the Supreme Court released a new ruling that effectively overturned Roe versus Wade, sending the decision for abortion back to the states individually. Many states already had basically a trigger law in place that the moment that that happened, uh, abortion would become illegal in that state. Kentucky is one of those states. And so for the first time in 50 years, we are worshiping God in a state that it is illegal to sacrifice your children on the altar of convenience and sexual depravity. Amen. And so we praise God today. We praise God because he was merciful to us for the last 50 years and didn't wipe us off the face of the planet for allowing that. We're grateful today that child sacrifice on the altar of sexual perversion and convenience is going to diminish in our land. We are grateful that less innocent blood is going to be shed, and we are so grateful for all of those beautiful image bearers that lives will be saved over the next several decades. We're grateful. Today is a day to celebrate. It's a day to celebrate for we have won a victory for life and for light. So let's celebrate that the kingdom of darkness has, is losing its stronghold on our society. Slowly but surely, the kingdom of heaven is advancing, and I'm glad and grateful to be a part of it. Aren't you? And so today, I want to remind you of what a blessing children are. Let's all stand together. Psalm 127. I love this psalm. Beginning in verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Sons are an in, indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for the love that you've shown us. Thank you, Lord, that you've been so merciful and so gracious and so kind to us, a rebellious nation. And Lord, I pray that this season that we're living in, it marks the beginning of a new age. Lord, an age in which you are honored above all other, that your word is cherished and followed, and that your people, Lord, they take a stand for what is true and right and loving and good. Lord, empower us and embolden us today as we celebrate your goodness. I'm grateful for each and every one of my friends that have come here today to worship and celebrate you. I pray, Lord, that you will bless them. Lord, bless their homes, bless their marriages, bless their families. Lord, bless the work of their hands, bless their health and their finances and their, uh, their relationships, Lord. I, I pray you'll bless their future. Lord, I pray that you will bless them spiritually so that they can serve you in a way that, that honors you, in a way that you're deserving of. And Lord, I pray today as we gather around your word 
that you'll inspire us, that you'll teach us. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I pray you'll speak through me. I'm just a sinner. I'm only saved by your grace. I'm no better than any person that's here or any person that's watching online. And so, Lord, we, we don't need anything from me today. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Come, be with us today. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, take a moment and just praise God for his work among us. Praise God for the recent developments. Pray for the people that you know that are struggling, that are sick. Pray for the people around you today. Take a moment and pray for those churches and those pregnancy centers and uh, Christians throughout the world who are going to experience a backlash because of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. I pray uh, that that they'll be strong, they'll be courageous, they'll be protected and provided for. And take a moment and pray for yourself. Be reminded today of how good and gracious God's been to you. Ask that he'll empower you to serve him. Father, speak to us. We're ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I want to talk about the blessing of children. It sounds like a no-brainer, dub, children are a blessing. But unfortunately, we're living in an age right now that is very subtly anti-children. Are you aware of that? We're living in an age that it's subtle. It's very subtle, and you have to look for it, but it's anti-children. I'll give you some examples. I'll give you some examples. I heard the story recently of a professor, first day of class, freshman year. He's teaching this class, hundreds of students in the class, big you know, state university. And uh, he is a climate alarmist. And so the very first class, he's preaching to all these students about the doom and gloom of climate change and all that he and his wife have done, you know, morally superior people they've done to fight against climate change. And so he tells them that they had just completed a state-of-the-art clean energy home. It cost them $4 million, which, you know, that's kind of confusing for me with all these climate alarmists. They're like, you know, you go out and buy an electric car, and it's like, oh, yeah, I got $80,000 I can just drop on an electric car. You know, it's not that easy. But he goes on to say, he says, we also, my wife and I, we made a decision that we, the best thing we could do for the future of our world is to only have one child. And this is what he said to his class, hundreds of impressionable students, this this person in position of authority. He said the best thing, the most moral thing, the, 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 the most good thing that you can do for the future of our world is to not have any children. It's very subtle, very subtle, but this is what this person in authority is suggesting to our young, impressionable people that having children is, in a way, morally wrong, and it's selfish, and it's destructive. I remember when I was in high school, there was a couple, and they were super, super serious. They'd been dating for a long time, and they made it known to everybody in the school, as soon as they graduated, they were going to get married. It blew me away to see so many teachers and administrators go to this couple, specifically the girl, and say, we think you're making a grave mistake. What you need to do is put off marriage, and you, you need to go to college, and you need to get a career, and, and you, know, you just need to hold off on this because this is really going to derail your life. And subtly, very subtly, this is what's communicated to people like this that have this ambition to start a family young. Uh, you know, career is much, much more important You need to go out and get a career. You need to go out and and get financially secure because that's how we define success in the world that we're living in, isn't it? 
Our culture is telling us that. And people, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, it's wise to go out and get a career and, you know, get financially stable before you have kids. And okay, fair enough. But why is there so many 30-somethings in our world today that have an amazing career, they've bought a home, they're financially secure, not married, and don't have children? There's something being communicated so subtly in our culture that children are in somehow they're, they're a, a stumbling block to human flourishing. In response to the Supreme Court ruling, major companies are offering some of their full-time employees, uh, they're going to pay for their traveling expenses to go out of state in order to have an abortion. Uh, Disney, I think uh, Google, Facebook, Patagonia, Dicks, just to name a few, they're going to pay for traveling expenses so their full-time employees can have an abortion. It's, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's a morally virtuous thing. You know, how, how sacrificial of them. But I want you to think about it this. Do they really care about the moms, or is it just cheaper for them to pay for an abortion than it is for to pay for maternity leave and the loss of production? You see, we're living in a society that hates, that is anti-children. Corporations are anti-children. What about these weddings? Now, this may hit close to home. What about, this is, blows me away. This is a recent phenomenon. These weddings that you're not allowed to bring your kids to. Have you been invited to one of these weddings that you're not allowed to bring your kids to? And I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's like, what's being communicated? What's the spirit behind that decision that kids are a distraction, that they're gonna take away from the event? Here's the thing, though. Isn't, the marriage isn't the beginning of, you know, like this Vegas party that kids, marriage is the beginning of family, isn't it? So it doesn't make sense that, that your kids would be at the wedding. And on top of it all, the kids are the only ones that dance at these things. So there they bring the party, right? I don't get it. Kids are a distraction. Kids are a bugus kill. Kids won't add, they'll take away. Kids are expensive. Kids are too much work. Kids are too much trouble. That's what our society very subtly is communicating, especially to young people. But what does the Bible say about children? Psalm 127, verse 3, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Children aren't harmful to our world. Do not believe that lie from the pits of hell. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They aren't a burden. They are the greatest blessing. They aren't a parasite that needs to be ripped from a mother's womb. No, they are a prized possession that needs to be protected at all costs. Amen? My, I love my home. We just finished. We bought a new home about four minutes from here. I just finished the basement. About killed me doing it. I got this really sweet garage door in the basement. It's the one of those full glass doors, like inside, outside space. I'm super proud of my home. I love my home. I just put an office. I had to like, my wife's really mad about me. We have the sunroom and I converted it into my, my, my home office and she's mad because she's like, that's my space. And I'm like, oh, you know, I need an office. I love my home. And uh, I love, I love, um, my, my career, I love what I do. There's nothing more meaningful, more rewarding to me than what I get to do. I love it. I'd love a brand new Jeep Gladiator sitting on like 35 inch tires. I would love that. I would love that. I would love a beach house. I would love a brand new church facility so we don't have to meet in a beautiful gym that we're meeting in. I would love that, but listen to me, listen to me. There is nothing in all creation that I would give up for one of my babies. Amen? There is nothing in all of creation that anyone could give me in exchange for one of my children. I love them more than words can say because they are not a burden. They are a blessing. They're a blessing. 
They're a gift, they're a reward from the throne room of heaven to us. Not just to parents, not just to grandparents. Children are a blessing to the world. Look at verse four. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. This is an interesting analogy for children, isn't it? Just think about it for a second. I mean, the psalmist, he could have used all sorts of analogies. He could have said, you know, uh, children are like fabric in the hands of a seamstress. Children are like flour in the hands of a baker. Children are like um, tools in the hands of a carpenter. He could have used all sorts of analogies, but no, he uses this analogy. And this is an interesting analogy. He says they are like arrows, long-range weapons of war in the hand guided by a warrior. Now, we assume this warrior is a, a, a godly warrior. He's a blessed warrior. He's fighting against the evil enemy. And so this is what the psalmist is saying, that sons and daughters, are that your children, they are long-range weapons of war, that parents take aim in raising their kids, and then they launch their children into the future and into the world to wage war against darkness. This speaks to a type of spiritual warfare that churches rarely ever talk about, but it's one of the most effective weapons of war we have against this evil age that we're living in. It is the strategic cultural war of child raising. I want you to think about this. Godly people having children, raising them to be godly people who will do good work for the world. Your kids' t-ball team, your kids' first grade class, children's church, tween scene, youth group, these are all packets of warrior seeds. And if we properly cultivate these seeds, they will grow into warriors who will wage war against darkness and disease and destitution and despair. Isn't it possible that in the next few years, a baby will be born who would have otherwise been aborted, and that baby will grow up to be an adult who will create a water-powered car? Wouldn't that be great? who will create the cure to cancer, who will solve world hunger, who will be the next Billy Graham. Every little life properly aimed has unimaginable potential. Verse five, happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. You see, uh, this noble warrior who has lots of arrows, he will not be disappointed. He will not be put to shame. Because when he stands at the city gate, and you gotta understand, in the ancient world, the city gate is where all the decisions were made. Were made. This is the courthouse. This was the White House. This is where rubber meets the world road. This is where decisions and ideas and thoughts become real world initiatives. This is where the things that happen in the, the kind of the unseen realm start to take, take place in the physical realm. And so when, when this warrior stands at the city gate and he's facing his enemies, he's facing the opposition, he's facing the one who wants to undermine his well-being and his flourishing, that this warrior won't be ashamed because he won't be outnumbered. God's primary directive for practically overcoming darkness in our world from day one has never been about politics. It's never been about protesting. It's never been about debating. From day one, God's primary directive for overcoming darkness has been this, be fruitful and multiply. Image bearers subdue the earth by filling the earth. Christian parents 
raising Christian children will change the world. I want you to think about this. If population trends continue, in 2050, the largest ideological people group in Europe will be, anybody have a guess? Muslims. Muslims. In America, in 2050, if population trends continue, the, the largest ideological people group in America will be, anybody have a guess? Mormons. Now, it's not because these people are great evangelists. Muslims don't really evangelize. And when Mormons come knocking on your door, you hide under the couch, right? It's not they're good at evangelism. It's that they have lots of kids. And then they raise their kids, the Muslims raise their kids to be Muslim adults. Mormons raise their kids to be Mormon adults. Now, think about it. Secularists, they don't want to have many kids. Oftentimes, they have two or less children. Abortionists are ripping kids out of their own wombs. Homosexuals and transgender, transvestites aren't capable of having children. I saw an alarming um, uh, study that was released today that there is um, in fer fertility rates are dropping at alarming rates. And so we are headed for a population collapse. All that to say this, we can Christianize the world by having babies. Think about it. Children are long-range arrows pointed into the future that will outnumber and overwhelm the enemy. Do you long to see a future where the good outweighs the bad? Try this. Have kids and raise them to love and follow Jesus. What behaviors are implied by these truths? That children are a blessing and children are an instrument of war against evil. What should we do with that? The, the, the psalmist says uh, children are a heritage of, they are sons, they are a blessing, they are sons born in one's youth. Here's one thing that we need to do. We need to encourage our, our people, stop putting off family for so long. We need, to stop, we need to encourage our young people, stop waiting until you're 30 years old to have babies. Young people, have babies is one of the best things that you can do. Don't put it off unnecessarily. I, we started, my wife and I, we started having babies when I was 27 years old. Now, we did that because we said, because we were programmed by the culture we lived in, we said, we want to have some time together, just the two of us. And those were, those were enjoyable times. They were. But we didn't really start living our best life in, until we had our first child. We didn't realize what we were missing until we held that baby in our arms for the very first time. Amen, parents? You don't realize. You don't realize. And we live, we, we, we are programmed in our culture to be so self-centered and so selfish and to think, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to enjoy time without kids because once I have kids, it just goes down from here from there. No, 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 no. Goes uphill from there. It's a, it's a blessing. I regret that we waited until I was 27 to start having babies. I regret it. I wish we would have started earlier. And, and now we've got a newborn. I'm 40. I'm about to be 41 years old. And I've got a newborn baby boy. And I'm so glad. Major blessing. But when I start taking to his, him to his ball games, people are going to ask me, so are you the grandfather? That's what they're going to do. And so I'm on, this, I'm on this diet right now that I hate. It's a meat and fruit only diet. I'm not eating bread or anything. Not because, you know, I'm trying to lose. I'm trying to be as healthy as I can be for as long as I can be because when my son is 16 years old, I'm still going to beat him at basketball, okay? That's my goal. 
I want to hold my grandbabies. I would love to see some great grandbabies. Amen? And so, so all that to say, all that to say, uh, people who are saying, well, we're going we're gonna to wait until we're ready to have kids, I think that's a mistake. Because the truth of the matter is, you're never ready to have kids. You're never ready. Raising kids is so difficult, and it's a huge sacrifice. But listen to me. There are some knuckleheads out there who figured it out. And if they did, you can too. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And so that's what the psalmist says. A son born in one's youth is a blessing. It's a heritage from the Lord. And so don't be afraid to start your family young. Verse 5, happy is the man who has filled his quiver with children, with them. Start your family early so that you can have lots of babies. Children are a gift from God, and the Bible says that large families are a blessing. Our culture programs people to believe that kids are too expensive, they're too much trouble, they're just an interference. But what does the psalmist say? He said, happy is the man, happy is the man who has filled his quiver with arrows. Happy is the home full of giggling children. Happy are the siblings who have built-in playmates. Happy is the farmer who has plenty of sons to help bale hay. Amen? Happy is the mother who has plenty of girls to help fold the laundry. Happy is the father who has plenty of kids to go and fetch him a cold drink. Happy are the parents who have teenagers to help change diapers of newborn babies when you decide to have kids when you're 40 years old. Amen. Amen. Happy are the grandparents with lots of grandbabies to sugar up and send back home. Happy are the elderly who have grown kids to take care of them. Happy, 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 big families, happy families. Kids are a lot of work. And the older they get, the more money they are and the more headaches they cause. And it takes a lot of patience to raise them, but they are worth it. That's what the psalmist is teaching us. So let me say this. Children are a blessing, but children are not automatically a blessing. Children are a blessing, but they're not automatically a blessing. My kids are great. Some of y'all's kids, I'm just kidding. I love all of y'all's kids. Isn't it possible for a parent to ruin their child? Isn't that possible? You've heard it said, spare the rod, what? Spoil the child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, I, I hate to tell you, that's not in the Bible. It's not. It's a quote from a preacher who was quoting the Bible, but that's not in the Bible. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who delights, he, he who loves him is diligent in disciplining him. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The Bible also says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Parenting is hard. It's hard, and there's a lot of ways that you can jack it up. If you're too lenient with your, your kids, they'll, they'll grow up to be rotten. If you're too strict on your kids, they'll grow up and be rebellious. If you're too easy, your kids will bring you shame. If you're too harsh, your kids will be sad. And so what must we do? Psalm 127 Verse 1 and following, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. 
Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. How many parents today who claim to be Christians say that they desire to raise their kids to be Christian? They don't want their kids growing up to be sexually promiscuous or deviant. They don't want their kids growing up to be greedy, hateful, gossip, liars, and thieves. They want their kids to share their biblical values. But church is not a priority in some of these families. Prayer is not part of their culture. The Bible is not in their home. Friends, you can't build a Christian home without Christ. Friends, you can't fight off the demoniac ideologies coming at your kids without Christ. So if we build a home without the Lord, we labor in vain. That's what the psalmist is telling us. If we watch out over our children without the Lord, we do so in vain. If you parent without the Lord, you will be disappointed. So if you want children who are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord, build your family on Christ, the solid rock foundation. Let me tell you specifically what that looks like. Make the foundational goal of your parenting, not that your kid be popular. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if your kid is the coolest kid in school. That's a terrible ambition for your child. Your goal as a parent is not that your kid be as educated as they can be, as good as that ambition is. That's not the primary function of you as a parent, that your kid be good at sports, that your kid get some sort of athletic scholarship. That's not the goal, that your kid enjoys their childhood. Even that shouldn't be the primary ambition of your parenting. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but make it the priority of your home that your kids grow up to love and follow Jesus. That's number one. What good is it, Jesus says, what good is it if they gain the whole world? What good is it if your child grows up to be the next Bill Gates, the next Elon Musk, they get in a spaceship and they're the first person to land on Mars? What good is it if they lose their soul? Make it your primary goal, your primary ambition that you raise your child in a Christian home to grow up to be Christian people. Nothing else is nearly as important as that. Stand on, on the watchtower of their lives and guard them from the enemy who seeks to slither into their lives in whatever little way they can. Kids YouTube, there's some stuff on kids YouTube you don't even realize how evil and demonic it is. There's stuff on social media that will totally rot your children's soul. There's stuff everywhere where Satan just trying to slither in and it looks innocent, it looks sweet, it's done in a cartoon fashion and so you think, oh, this won't be hurtful and, and, and the enemy uses it. He uses it to deceive your kids. He uses it to indoctrinate them in demonic ideologies. He uses it. So stand guard on the watchtower of their lives and guard their hearts and minds. Guard them from the lies that the enemy wants to tell. Guard them from bad company and toxic influences. Do your best to build a Christian home. Do your best to watch out for their soul by the power of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, you can lay your head down and rest not tossing and turning, not stressing and striving, not feeling like I didn't do enough because if you've consecrated your child to the Lord, if you've done your best to put them in his hands, you can rest easy because you know that the Lord is faithful. And what you weren't able to do, because there's only so much we can do as a parent, but if you do the best you can to raise them to love and follow Jesus, you can trust the Lord with the rest of it. And it'll help you to sleep easier tonight when your kid gets to be a teenager and they get their license and they're staying out past, uh, you know, their, their curfew's 10 
and you're sitting on the porch at 1, p- 1 a.m. and they're still not home, you can still kind of rest because you're like, I've, I've trained them, I've raised them to love Jesus. So I know they're not doing anything too crazy. I got some stories, my mom's over there laughing, but. <laughs> Psalm 127 is a song of ascent. Uh, these songs, uh, they, were, they, were sing, they were sung periodically in the culture, in the society of the Jewish people. These were very well-known psalms that they would sing. Uh, these songs are, are the songs that the priests sang as they ascended the steps at the consecration of the first temple. Uh, these are the songs that the exiles sang as they made their way back to Jerusalem from the Babylonian exile. Uh, These are the songs that the Jewish families would sing as they made their way to the festivals year after year to worship the Lord, his faithfulness, and his power. And so these are songs that were sung with a spirit of optimistic expectation about the future. And so I pray today that we will believe that although we may be in the valley right now, as far as our culture and our society is concerned, we are ascending. I pray that we can believe today that we are coming out of exile and into a land flowing with promise. I pray that we can believe today that we are slowly climbing the steps to the throne room of God where we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be reminded today that children are a gift from the Lord. Be reminded today that large families are a blessing. Be inspired that the next generation are like arrows in the hand of Almighty God. And as they are properly aligned and aimed, they will push back the darkness in our world and they will usher in an age of peace and prosperity and praise. Friends, the future is bright. May we build large families. May we watch guard over our children. May we pray for their souls and for God's help. May we believe God's promises and may we rest in him, knowing that Jesus loves your kids and he loves this world more than you can even imagine, even more than you do. Knowing that those who trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. Knowing that what God has called you to as a parent, he will equip you for. And knowing that our light and momentary troubles, fighting through these teenage years, fighting through these diaper years, fighting through the heartbreaks, fighting through the headaches of parenting, knowing that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And one day, one fine day, we will stand with our children in the presence of God and we will celebrate the victory of the Lord. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for these babies that we're gonna dedicate in a minute. Thank you, Lord, that you have given them to us as a gift, and I pray that we're good stewards of this gift that you've given us. Lord, I pray each and every one of us are inspired and motivated today to make building our home on the center, the Christ, the solid rock foundation, make that our primary ambition. Holy Spirit, empower us to be the parents and the grandparents and the siblings and the, the, uh, the children that you've called us and created us to be. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're gonna sing a song of invitation and a song of celebration, a song of remembrance. And if you're here today and you're struggling, maybe you've been living in sin, maybe, maybe you've been uh, operating in agreement with Jesus says your father, the devil, who only speaks lies, and you've been deceived. I've got great news for you. Our Father in heaven loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice everything in order to adopt you into his family. The door is wide open. I'm reminded today 
of the father of the prodigal son who sat on the front porch of his home and watched the horizon day after day, just hoping that his prodigal, his wild child would finally come back home. And when he came back home, the father did not scold him. The father celebrated his arrival. The father did not punish him. The father threw a party that he had come back. His son who was dead is alive again. His son who was lost is found. Let me tell you, that same reception is available to you no matter how far you've wandered from the Lord. It's available to you today in Jesus' name. And so if you're here today and you're feeling far from God, will you please come and kneel at this altar? And let one of our prayer warriors pray over you. If, you. if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, will you please come and talk to me? It is the best decision that you will ever make in your life. So as we sing this song, come.